Welcome to episode 249 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review week two of the NRL final series. We preview the NRL men's and women's grand final qualifiers, the UK Super League grand final, and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 249 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, as Peter Valanda says, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, we are getting to the pointy end, the business end of uh, all of the Rugby League seasons around the world. Are you pumped? Sorry, Dr. T, I wasn't trying to time waste. Uh, I, thought it's, I thought it was in the rules of uh, podcasting. But, yeah, look, I am pumped. I am pumped, you know. Let's, let's get the show going. And, uh, you know, look, you know, we had, um, we had some interesting scores over the weekend. We had some great, uh, you know, NRL finals. Uh, we've got lots to talk about about the World Cup coming up. A Super League grand final. I think rugby league is all happening. And, look, isn't it great to watch a sport where um, – you know, rugby league, probably in a, in a 40-minute half, you get close to 40 minutes. You sometimes get even more than 40 minutes of actual in-game play, whereas on another code, uh, I believe the stat was out of a 40-minute half, there was actually only 15 minutes of actual game time. <laughs> wow. Right, in a, in, a, in a rugby union international, which was crazy. But, yeah, but I'm doing well there, Dr. T. How are you doing? Oh, yeah, not bad, mate. It's uh, Look, it's the business end of the season, and my Parramatta Eels are still alive, which is mm. always a good sign. We have, uh, well, you know, there's more to talk about there, but we'll talk about that soon. But, yeah, I'm pumped that they are in their, uh, their qualifier, what is it, the grand final qualifier, preliminary final. We have never decided, we can't decide what these uh, these these uh, semifinals are called. They're not semifinals. Mm. The semi before final. No, this is not. This one is a semi final, I guess. But what about week one? <laughs> We've had two weeks of footy, yeah. and, and people call them all semis. It makes no sense. So, look to avoid the confusion. I think uh, I'm going to try and stick with the most, the best descriptive term, which is grand final qualifier, because these are qualifying for the grand final. If you win this, you're in the grand final. I think that makes sense. And uh, although they used to call them preliminary finals in years gone by to make things confusing. But look, the Eels haven't been in one of these since 2009, I believe. Yeah. So it's been 13 years between drinks, between uh, – and, and in fact, on in that year, they actually uh, – uh, is that right? Or they may have been in another one after that. But anyway, they um, – but yeah, they uh, – well, maybe let me check the stats on that. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I, I believe everybody's been saying so, and I haven't confirmed um, the timeline, but I'm pretty sure that this is, uh, yeah, the first time since 2009, as people were saying, and and uh, as far as I know, the first time in the Brad Arthur era 
because um, he wasn't the coach in 2009, was he? I think it might have been. Um, it might have even been Ricky Stewart, which was the team that they beat over the weekend to get there. But, yeah, I think that's exciting. And, uh, yeah, look, uh, also the Cowboys, um, obviously well-rested, um, their opponents. Um, you know, they're, they're in their top four awaiting for a grand final, which they probably haven't done in a number of years, I'd imagine, as well. And, uh, yeah, and then also, obviously, the, um, yeah, the Panthers, probably red-hot favourites, um, you know, and we've got a grand final qualifier on the other end, so which is going to be super exciting as well, right? So, um, yeah, some very interesting times. And, um, yeah, look, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's shaping up to be a good final series. And then, yeah, over the weekend, some really hot uh, matches in the NRLW. I believe there was a golden point victory to one of the teams over the weekend, which is obviously pretty good. And then, um, yeah, Super League, uh, you know, one of uh, Melbourne Storm's uh, players that sort of was a bit controversial at Brisbane, Brady Croft, winning the Man of Steel and um, setting up a really good finals as the Ryan, uh, what, Leeds versus uh, St. Helens, I believe. So, which, uh, yeah, which is going to be uh, hot stuff. So plenty to talk about. Um, I think we should just get into the set of six. What do you say, Dr. T? I think let's get into tackle number one. Here we go. All right. Tackle number one is our review of the week two of the NRL finals series. The game's gone by on the weekend. The two big ones that have led to our shaping of the top four uh, teams remaining in the NRL. And look, the first one gives me much joy to read off this scoreline. Parramatta Eels, 40. Canberra Raiders, 4. In front of 29,000 uh, screaming fans at Parramatta. Well, sorry, Combank Stadium, uh, the new Parramatta Stadium, of course, there. Despite the fact they had Ashley Klein as the referee, I think they did very well. No, no, he did. He did actually all right. But look, the yeah. Eels. Uh, look, last week we spoke about the Nathan Cleary masterclass uh, against the Eels, where he basically turned the game as soon as Moses uh, was concussed and got off the field, and, and Nathan took advantage of that, of the fact that the Eels were shambolic without Moses there. Um, well, this week, Moses gave a masterclass of his own, I think. Mm. Uh, well, it wasn't just Moses. It, let, let me just say there was there were exceptional performances all across the park. And, uh, and look, the Eels uh, never really looked like losing. There was a point there where, <coughs> excuse me, they looked like they were letting the Raiders back into it. But that was extremely short-lived. Uh, it was 22 to four at halftime and they just went on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, despite the fact there was actually, I have to admit if one of the, the, my bugbears was, uh, we got to, uh, I think it was the 23rd minute or so when, when junior Paulo scored that try, we were four tries to nil at that point. And we were actually scoring at around, uh, almost a point a minute. And yeah. we had two tries disallowed, which uh, which which were kind of uh, I felt when watching it, I felt it was a bit unfair, a bit line ball decisions. But it was, I think, Mike Casivo's one was one. Uh, there mm. was uh, yeah, so there was some very questionable decisions in my in my uh, very biased view <laughs> as an Eels fan. <laughs> but at that point, I thought, oh, we were almost 
a point a minute, 25 minutes in, which I thought that was unbelievable. Anyway, that got taken away from us. And a few minutes later, the Raiders scored. So, you know, unfortunately, we, we didn't score much more than that. So it was only 22 to 4 at halftime. It literally could have been 36 to 4 at halftime because of, of those missed opportunities, uh, which means that the final score could have been absolutely anything. But 22 to 4, I think with Ricky Stewart at halftime, he probably thought if they can do that to us, we can do it to them in the second half. But unfortunately, they didn't really. They didn't really put the pressure on because I think straight away uh, it was actually a Mitchell Moses try in the 45th minute uh, where where he was kind of uh, a, a good, a simple little runaround, I believe it was. And I think it was Junior Paulo popped the ball back and Moses ran diagonally across field and uh, at speed and, and scored in the corner. Um Unbelievable, um, and yeah, and and they never really looked back. And then a, a couple of near Corey last uh, last ten minute tries uh, sealed the deal. But really, it was a Mitchell Moses uh, masterclass, in my opinion. I think, despite the fact Dylan Brown had an exceptional performance, Clint Gutherson had an exceptional performance, Junior Paulo. Um, you know, the the only player who really didn't have an exceptional performance. Uh, the, of, of the starters was really uh, it was Wonga Blake. <laughs> he didn't really do much, and but he didn't he, drop the ball. Let's, let's but he didn't he drop didn't. the ball, and the reason yep. is that the Eels learnt their lesson. And every time a bomb went up, because I think the Raiders thought, uh, obviously Ricky Stewart was the. For those of you youngins who don't remember the nineties <laughs> or the late eighties, <laughs> Ricky yep. Stewart was. You know, people talk about Matt Burden and his humongous uh, bombs and, uh, you know, and, and absolutely, freak of nature, have to put my hand up, agree, Matt Burden, well done. But in back in the day, Ricky Stewart was the player that used to do these things. He was the one that had an exceptional kicking game. He was a little general, but he also had this ability to put on these massive bombs that really uh, shook the defence and, and put, put them under pressure. I think no doubt that was what the call was <laughs> to try and do the same thing to the Eels and get the same result that they got, uh, that the Panthers got against Wanga Blake. That didn't happen because Wanga Blake got out of the way and Clint Gutherson <laughs> was uh, was the man on on uh, uh, in charge there to, to uh, defuse the bombs, as they say. And, and he did so, I think, pretty much with 100%. Uh, I don't think he dropped any, potentially. I could be wrong, but uh, I don't remember him dropping any. So... Um, it was, look, a completely dominant performance. If you look at all the stats, how much time in possession, their completion rate, run meters, line breaks, tackle breaks, you go through every single stat, offloads, 19 to 9. I think that's where it was really won. Uh, and dummy passes, 26 to 6. I mean, if you look at the stats, there are some of the stats that really tell you that the Eels were, you know, toying with the Raiders at one point. It looked like they were just completely, uh, you know... Look, the only stat that the Raiders won was bombs. They had eight bombs to zero. <laughs> and why would the Eels bomb when they could just run it in? And that's mm. really the issue there. So I think I think the Eels, dominant from the start, um, uh, Jack Whiten had a good effort, tried his best, uh, wasn't to be... Unfortunately, uh, you know, they look, the Raiders, their season is done and dusted, but 
they can stand tall. That they uh, did their best. Uh, they they were I think up against a an eels team that is really gearing up. Uh, they're really going up the gears at the moment, and I think this uh, is a real title shot now. They're, they are a real chance of taking it if they continue this momentum. I'll stop talking. They're my eels. I could talk forever about them. Tish, how about you mm. talk about what your view was on this game? Okay, okay. Well, before I, uh, I sort of sink my teeth into this, I've got to defend uh, my mate Wonga um, because um, he, did, he did run for 128 metres, uh, Dr. T., which I thought was good, and um, he did return two kicks, right, and he had zero handling errors. So, um, you know, a, a big turnaround in the in the world of wingers and their effectiveness, I, 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 I truly believe. Um, but, yeah, look, I think all around, I mean, and then, you know, if you do go player-to-player player player individual stats, you see very little, um, you know, with Parramatta, you see a, a really good effort across the board with all their players sort of thing. Um, which I think is, is is really fantastic and really gears him up for that. Um, you know, you mentioned that actually kind of thought he had a great game um, as a referee. Uh, you know, I think he is. Um, I think he is one of the top line of referees. I think I think last week was a bit of an anomaly. This game, uh, look, look, last week he had uh, what seven sin bins. This week he had none. <laughs> right, so. Good, good return yeah. there, um, you know, from Asher Klein. And then I think, uh, I think the penalty count was, uh, I think, nine penalties all up for the game, and the Roosters got nine penalties alone last week. So, um, so I think definitely, you know, this game was definitely hard and fast, and he didn't have this, the the time wasting. So, you know, very interesting. Uh, as the game started, um, firstly, the atmosphere was amazing. Like at Compact Stadium, it's a final. Um, you know, twenty nine thousand. It was sold out. I thought it was uh, it was it was really good uh, on TV. It was very loud. Um, it seemed like um, who it, it, it like from the crowd itself. It didn't feel like um, <laughs> you know the Raiders had a chance at all, right? You know, it was just a rocking crowd. And um, you know, I would argue that the Combank, yes, it is um, you know a smaller stadium than the new Sydney Football Stadium. Um, I think it's got a very similar atmosphere to to the Sydney Football Stadium. Um, but look, I was yeah the first uh, the first five minutes of the game for me was really intriguing because it was it was set, it was going set for set, um, and you know both teams were just trying to complete. And there was like a good five minutes where the ball did not um, did not go out of play. It was just going back and forth, and you kind of felt you know whoever could sort of crack. Um, the other, you know, he's just going to make it open. And it was Canberra. And I think the reason why they cracked is because um, Parramatta, they didn't just run it out, but they got their second phase play going really early in the game. Um, they also went, uh, instead of going, uh, you know, like just a, a hit up, they went two passes wide and tried to sort of make uh, a few inroads um, sort of on the edge, which if you think for the Canberra team, a big forward pack, um, you know, sort of running them around a bit. I think it was a, a really good strategy. And then I think once they scored their first try after that, like I think you could start to see the Parramatta juggernaut start to take effect. And one good thing about Parramatta, and I think they had this in the last few years, then they were criticised for it. I think they went away from it. But it's good to see them do this again. Um, you know, when they take the ascendancy, they keep going. Like that's, I think, a really important thing. You know, they just score a try and, you know, just sort of um, take the foot off the pedal. I think what I did like about their play this game is that they did actually, you know, you know, they, 
that was store that was you know the first half they were scoring tries regularly like you know six and then fourteen and nineteen they'd come in a bunch even the twenty third minute um you know and then sort of you know even the seventieth and seventy ninth minute towards the end as well um I thought that was great um you know there is uh, there was a very interesting moment in the game um and I don't know if this was just an accident or or what but um you know the very controversial move of picking Jake Arthur he did actually have some minutes on and can't remember the actual situation where he went on the field, but I definitely heard a boo <laughs> when he was going on the field. So I wasn't, I wasn't sure if it was, I think that was a booing either some, a late hit of Mitchell Moses, I think it could have been. Um, so I don't know if they were booing the camera player or it just Jake when he happened to get the ball, like sort of thing. And then, you know, Mitchell was able to survive. Um, yeah. Sorry. It was a Jake. Yeah, that was that's right. It was a, a Jack One head slam to the ground, which I yeah. actually thought should have been pulled up. To be fair, like I know, you know, he he's a, he's a, like a tough player, and you know he he likes to play the game that way. But I really felt that like you know you had a you had a guy that had a concussion man last week, and you know, and now you're doing this sort of thing, and yeah, I just I don't think it's the the right image to play the game. But look, I think other than that, I think it was a great game, and yeah, I think well done, Parramatta. They're they're finally got through and, you know, I thought this, you know, getting to the next round would have meant for Brad Arthur a little, a little, uh, a little less controversy this week, but I feel like the pressure is still on him. And yeah, I think they've got a tough assignment this week. I don't think North Queensland in North Queensland, the humidity, I don't think it's going to be easy for them, but I, but I think well done. And um, yeah, and that was, that was Friday night and yeah, it was a great, yeah, it was great atmosphere and it was, it was great viewing on TV, I better say. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and that was followed up by another great game, another flogging. But it was still great to watch these two teams go at it. The Sharks v. the Rabbitohs. The Rabbitohs win in this one, 38-12 on their home turf at the new Allianz Stadium. Although technically, I guess their home turf is the Accor Stadium, so the Olympic Stadium. But anyway, uh, <laughs> given that given that the new Sydney Football Stadium in, in – uh, uh, Moore Park, the Moore Park region is a stone's throw, really, from Redfern, which is the heart of South Sydney. You would think that uh, that they would claim this as their home, but look, a lot of Rabbitohs fans. I, th- I would, th- I would sort of think that there was a little bit more Sharks fans than there were Raiders fans in the Eels game, but um, mm. but yeah, uh, and and the crowd was thirty nine thousand seven hundred thirty three. Grant Atkins was the referee. And uh, and look, it was all South Sydney uh, from the very beginning. Uh, in fact, uh, at half time they went in. Let me just double check. I think they went in eighteen nil. That's right. So really, you know, the Sharks only really scored uh, straight after the half time break. Um, you know, admittedly, admittedly, they it was a forty first minute try and then a fifty fifth minute try to Mulitalo. Uh, but that was after Lachlan Elias had, or Elias had already uh, scored. So, you know, they, they they did sort of start to mount a comeback, but really the that's when the Rabbitohs, again, they've got that extra gear that people tend to forget. This is a team that made the grand final last year. Uh, and and the thing is, they, they, they miss Adam Reynolds, but I think with Lachlan Elias there, uh, you wonder whether they're missing too much at the moment because 
Latrell is on fire. Uh, everyone is kind of, you know, I think they missed Latrell last last year. He missed the grand final. So, you know, we're talking about a South Sydney team that's, again, just like the Eels, revving up just at the right time. Uh, it ended up being a six tries to two thrashing, whereas I think the Eels one was a seven tries to one. So, you know, give or take, um, mm. it was a similar kind of performance from the Rabbitohs over the Sharks, similar kind of dominance, I would say. And I think as we talked about the Moses, like it's, it's look, really, it, I shouldn't call it the Moses masterclass. I think both of these games were actually Mitchell masterclasses. Mitchell <laughs> Moses on one side, Latrell Mitchell on the other, because I think oh, wow, Latrell wow. Mitchell is really... He is the key. I mean, if you can shut him down, uh, Penrith Panthers next weekend, you will go a long way to defeating this Rabbitohs team, because I think uh, he is really the the catalyst for uh, for a lot of what they do. He brings some of the grunt as well, and I think given that uh, you know, given that the week before there was Sinbin Sunday, <laughs> we talked about with the when they defeated the Roosters. Um, I don't really think I saw that level of uh, animosity in this game, and therefore I don't think you saw the level of grubbiness from a lot of players. And I think when that's the space that Latrell works in, I think he is able to concentrate on giving 100% and and performing at his best. Whereas when he when he kind of gives into the grubbiness and the grubby tactics and and the little you know the head slams and all that kind of stuff that's when his game goes off. So I think mentally he's in the right place at the moment. Um, and it certainly looked that way on the weekend against the Sharks. But, yeah, um, any thoughts on this game? Any other thoughts on this game? Well, look, I mean, from ladder positioning, you know, this is team that finished number two versus the team that finished number seven, right? So you'd, you'd think that, the actual score was the other way around. But, you know, Matt Thompson, who was on commentary for Channel 9, he actually said something very interesting early on in the game. Actually, around kickoff, um, I, I want to say it's the first set in the game, and then I kind of realised, man, I made a mistake picking the Sharks. Because what, what he actually said is that, you know, the Sharks were the only team... Well, the Sharks had only won four out of ten games against the other top eight teams, right? Which is, to be honest, one better than the West Tigers. who came last. <laughs> That's pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so that's right when you um when you think about that and then and then yeah and then I think this is something that's actually been brought up uh this week a little bit and there was a bit of a false form guide here um because the Sharks probably had one of the easier draws of the season which allowed them to go to number second I, I do believe that Fitzgibbon's done a great job to get them to the finals, like, you know. Um, but I think John Morris, I don't think he was that far above what John Morris was able to do with a similar sort of roster. And, you know, to top it all off, a little interesting thing about all of this is that uh, I think this is like, a, you know, out of the last four seasons, I think going out in the second round, first and second round, I think they've done it like three out of the last four seasons. So, um a bit of a worry, I think, the Sharks. I think they're in a similar situation as what sort of the Brad Arthur is, but slightly worse, actually. Like They seem to um, bow out quite easily into the finals, and uh, there is talk that part of the reason why Fitzgibbon was chosen is that so that, you know, because, you know, so they could do better in the final series. So, 
Yeah, so interesting how they're going to um, review the, the the season. Look, fortunately for the Sharks, unlike Parramatta, who decided to do their end-of-season review while they're still in, in the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Parramatta. <laughs> Typical Parramatta. These guys are you know, going to wait till the end, but, but that's going to be interesting. But for the actual game itself, um, yeah, I think, look, I'd say, I don't know who was the man in the match, but I actually felt Lachlan... Elias was was the star of of the Rabbitohs attack and defense as well. I mean, um, there were so many tackles that he made where he, you know, the ball popped out or you know everybody rallied around him. And uh, he's a great player. I think um, you know another West Tigers junior, um, unfortunately, but yeah, like he he was tremendous. And um, I think even towards the end of the game, he kind of was their main guy in attack. Which I think is also quite um, good for South Sydney to think about now because as they head towards the finals, I think there is more that Cody Walker and Latrell Mitchell can do to actually win the game. Um, The other interesting thing that I found about this game is that the Sharks, they didn't have that much success throughout the game. I think both their tries came from kicks. The only time where I thought that they actually did well in attack is actually when they attacked uh, sort of Cody Walker's end of defence. So I think they did identify a bit of a weakness that maybe other teams could exploit, which is um, maybe the you know the side of the ball where I think it's Cody Walker and maybe Tane Mill and um, yeah Campbell Graham. Is that his name? Yeah, I, I think they're the. I think that side um, there is some points or at least some breaks to be had from South Sydney. So I think they have to be careful on that side. But look, I think, I think yeah, the Rabbitohs, again, a great performance, great atmosphere. Um, I'm not too sure about the fans. I don't know if you caught this, but, um, you know, they were uh, singing um, Bon Jovi song, um, you know, Living on a Prayer, and um, which, again, was announced in the commentary. But, you know, obviously the line says that we're halfway there. And uh, this is why the final series is so confusing, Dr. T, because they're not actually halfway there, right? Like, <laughs> it, at best, they're a quarter way there, right? So, you know, the ground staff was confusing, uh, confused to play that song. The fans were singing, like, you know, a week in advance. So I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, yeah, this is why the NRL need to fix up their final series. You know, people got to know how far they are away. You know, if GPS can tell you how far away you are after the finals, Surely the NRL can do the same thing. What do you say there, Dr. T? Oh, look, absolutely. I think there needs to be a proper mathematician. We need to bring Eddie Wu into this to bring the mathematician perspective <laughs> about halves. And, you know, we need to educate our, our footy players about fractions. That's what we need. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, why is it called a 5 8 Where do this- they actually stand on the field? Is it, is it actually you've got to stand like 30... Like you know, uh, you divide it by you divide the field by an eight, and then you stand. <laughs> Let's not go there. Let's not go there. Let's not go there. There, there is an answer to that, but I don't. I fear this is not the right time for that. So <laughs> it's not the right forum, okay? <laughs> let's move on. All right, let's go to tackle number two. We're going to preview the NRL men's grand final qualifiers. Here we go.
All right. Game number one is the Friday night game, the 23rd of September at Queensland Country Bank Stadium in Townsville. It is a Cowboys versus the Eels, third versus fourth. The Cowboys are at home. It looks like the bookies have them as slight favourites. But uh, And obviously, during the week, we've had lots of mind games from former Cowboys stars like Jonathan Thurston talking about how the heat up there is going to really affect the Eels and Oh, they've 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 really blundered by not going up there a few days early to handle the humidity at night and all that kind of thing, which I think is garbage because I think they are actually got, they've actually already gone up there potentially. Um, look, and and obviously last time they met, they were in Darwin. It was a Neil's home game, and they got flogged by the Cowboys. Uh, I think it was twenty nine nil or something, so something like that. So, look. Every way you look at it, it's all the narrative has been the Eels uh, going into, you know, a difficult territory, Cowboys territory. It's going to be humid. It's going to be hot. It's going to affect the way they play. Uh, and who knows? It remains to be seen. We can talk about that. But I want to talk about the, uh, uh, well, quickly go through the squads, uh, given uh, this is a penultimate game for. Uh, for one of these uh, teams and for the other team, it will be their last game this season. So let's go through the Cowboys. Scott Drinkwater, Kyle Felt, Valentine Holmes, Peter Hiku, Murray Talagi, Tom Dearden, and Chad Townsend is captain at halfback. And in the forwards, they've got Jason Tamalola, Jeremiah Nanai, Tom Gilbert, Ruben Cotter, Reese Robson, and Jordan McLean on the interchange bench. Hamiza Taboy Fido. Luciano Lelua, Cohen Hess, and Griffin Neem, or Neem. And for the Eels, we've got Clint Gutherson, Mike Acevo, Will Penasini, Tom Opacic, Wanga Blake, Dylan Brown, and Mitchell Moses. Uh, I should have mentioned Clint Gutherson is the captain. Uh, in the forwards, we've got Ryan Madison, Isaiah Papali, Sean Lane, Junior Paulo, Reed Marnie, and Regan Campbell-Gillard. And on the interchange bench, Bryce Cartwright, Jake Arthur, Oregon Kafusi and Marata Niakore, which he, which I think having Bryce Cartwright there is going to be a nicer balance to this squad. Uh, it means that you'll have fewer forwards, but it also means you'll have some speedier backs there that, that can do damage. So, look, my opinion there is, uh, look, I think the Eels uh, are really ramping up. The Cowboys with a week off, I don't know what that's going to do. I think we saw... Uh, we've seen in years gone by, well, we certainly saw with the, the Panthers resting their entire first-grade squad in the final game of the season, did them absolutely the world of good when it mattered against the Eels. They were, uh, you know, much more fit, uh, and, and they sort of finished on top of the Eels accordingly. I think this is different, though, because I think the Cowboys had, you know, they've, they've had a tough first-up uh, game against the Sharks. They only just won that to qualify for week three, the grand final qualifier. They had the week off and they're at home. And I think they're pretty comfortable. I think this is where the Eels with, uh, you know, they're ramping up. I think some of the messaging I've seen, Tish, from the media, there, there is mm. very much, uh, and that that report, that internal review that was leaked allegedly last week, uh, on the eve of their game against uh, against the Raiders, potentially sabotaging them, has done actually the opposite. <laughs> it's actually brought them closer together. They're starting to talk like 
the Bulldogs and the Queensland Maroons talk about the world is against us, it's us versus them. Uh, I have never heard this language from the Eels for for and Brad Arthur for such a long time. And I think I wonder whether maybe it was an actual leak of that report. Maybe it was a someone playing uh, a bit of chess <laughs> trying to manipulate the Eels. But whichever way you look at it, it could have been the best thing that, that may have happened to the Eels this season. I think if anything... Having that us versus them mongrel kind of mentality is absolutely what Eels fans want to hear going into a grand final qualifier where if they make it to the grand final, they will be up against two teams, either the Panthers or the Rabbitohs, that they absolutely can win against. So you would be absolutely confident, uh, you know, that if – and they need that attitude going into this game because everyone will be against them. The bookies are against them. They're not at home. The Cowboys have had a week off and everyone is thinking that the Eels, everyone's putting all the pressure on the Eels from the media, ex-Cowboys, uh, legends, etc. It's all against the Eels. It feels that way. And I think if the Eels do not utilise that as motivation – you will not, and, and we talk about rocks and diamonds with eels. One week they're off, one week they're completely 100% on, and we can't work out why. And I think one of the reasons why is it's about intensity. Whatever gets them to the level of intensity that you need to win matches, uh, in many cases it's the intensity that and motivation you need is to know that you're up against the Panthers or the Storm and that they're the benchmark. And that really lifts players. In this case, what I'm hearing from Brad Arthur, and I'll pass over to you in a second, I'm hearing some good things around everyone's out to get us. We'll prove them wrong. We're, we're, we're coming closer together as a, as a unit. I, as an Eels fan, just ahead of this grand final, I am thinking this is music to my ears. This is exactly what I want to hear from the Eels. I don't want to hear any more of Brad Arthur going, oh, I don't know what went wrong last week. I don't want to hear that. I just want to hear we are coming together as a team. We're going to perform 100%. We're going to leave everything out there, and every player is going to pitch in. Uh, they certainly came out pumped against the Raiders, and it showed. And I think I'm predicting that the same thing will happen against the Cowboys. It may even be uh, a flogging, uh, but I'm not that confident in that. But I think that the Eels will have what it takes to win uh, and enter their first grand final in 13 years. Tish, that's my view. Over to you. Yeah, well, look, um, I did hear reports uh, that uh, What If um, has got, um, you know, the the lowest price you can get for uh, accommodation in Townsville is $1,000 a person, <laughs> right? So a bit of a shutout for any Eels. Um, you know, uh, fans who wanted to travel to Townsville for this game, wow. um, you, you're going to have to drive up with a tent, I think, um, because you got nothing else. And look, I have heard that, uh, and this is from David Rico, and it was a bit of an exclusive when I heard this, but I did actually hear that the the Eels have tried to accl uh, acclimatise as much as possible in Sydney. Uh, what they did do is turn up the, the heaters in their gym um, to about 32 degrees while the guys were training. Yeah. And they did actually, um, you know, they did actually centre their training towards 2 o'clock in the afternoon, um, which is kind of the maximum eight times. So I don't know if that is uh, enough. 
Um, but they're already over there. Like I think they've they've gone today, and you know they've got a couple of days here. And um, and there was a um, you know there was a suggestion, and I kind of think it's kind of an interesting thing where, you know, the idea of well, um, if you don't disrupt your your preparation week, um, if they could sort of you know, uh, you know, go to bed using their you know their bed, their environment as much as possible, and then bring them up as late as possible to the game, you're probably going to get a better performance out of them. So it, it's kind of, yeah, I don't know how much, I mean, it is going to be a factor, but I don't know how important it's going to be because at the end of the day, like I think both teams are a full lineup of professional athletes, right? So um, I think Parramatta, if, they, if they're serious about being the premiers, like I don't think this should be on their minds, you know, the whole acclimatise thing. Uh, what I think is the bigger worry is the fact that the Cowboys have had a week off, right? Mm, and, yeah. and, and you know, they're going to be fully rested. Um, the, the injuries are probably not going to be uh, uh, as much. But, you know, on the other flip side of the Cowboys, though, is that they did leak 30 points last week, um, you know, against the Sharks. So, so they, um, I don't know, I think they've had the best run of form as well coming into the finals. So they really need to work on their defense. And um, Parramatta, I mean, Parramatta's attack is, well, we've seen they're a 40-point attack. Um, but their defense was uh, less than four, right? And, um, you know, even uh, against Penrith, they did concede around about 26, 27. Um, but it was well, 25, actually, wasn't it? Um, so, yeah, it, it, Parramatta's defense is up to it. Um uh, even though the Cowboys attack is quite good, so I think, I think from those two factors, I think that kind of puts Parramatta on a good step to win this game. Um, and I think, yeah, look, I, I think with Parramatta, the other thing that they should be in the back of their minds is, you know, Oregon Kafusi, Reid Marnie, Nia Cora, Tom Opechek, Isaiah Papalihi, Ray Stone. Uh, you know, they're all not playing next year, right? For Parramatta, I think this is one of their best seasons to try and go all the way. Um, and they need to do it with this squad. And I think this squad has been together for a while. And, yeah, as you said, Dr. T, the us versus them mentality, I think, is is probably a good one for them to have over the next couple of weeks. So I think Parramatta uh, are, are going to win. I like, they've just got to take this game. I, I think the thing is they can't take the Cowboys lightly. They've got to, they've got to respect enough that they did finish above them on the ladder that they are preserved there, that they're going to be tough to beat at home. They've got some really awesome attacking weapons. They've got a good general in half. They've got origin for... Okay, why am I even tipping Parramatta now? I'm thinking about it. But they've got... They've got a, <laughs> it's a formidable team. It's not going to be a walk in the park no, uh, no. in Townsville. So so as long as they go with it... But I think if both teams play to their best, I think the Eels are still going to be better. So that's probably where I think the Eels are going to go well. And, um, yeah, and look, what, what I am fascinated to see is that once they go through here is obviously how this game will affect them as they run into the finals. But, you know, maybe the humidity will work in their favour. But that's, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's to come. Uh, yeah. and my, my final word before we move on to the next one is what's also interesting is what they don't have. And what they don't have is Ashley Klein and Jared Sutton as the referee and video ref. <laughs> For this game, we have Grant Atkins as a referee and Adam G as the yeah. uh, the bunker official. Uh, I don't I don't take that lightly because I think uh, we've had issues with Ashley Klein's style of refereeing 
in the mm. past. Didn't happen to us against the Raiders. I think it, it was okay, but I think I think this is also an advantage for the Eels. I think uh, they Grant Atkins kind of lets things go a little bit more, and uh, doesn't seem to, and at the right time has a lot more confidence in in uh, making decisions rather than uh, having everything constantly reviewed by the video ref. Uh, mm. So, look, it remains to be seen. Uh, he's he's not considered the top referee. I think Ashley Klein is still, but we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think, uh, yeah, I think it will be an open kind of game, and I think that will suit the Eels. Uh, but, yeah, uh, that's my view. So, oh, let's move on to, uh, well, same tackle, but we're talking Panthers V Rabbitoh. So the second grand final qualifier is on the Saturday night, Saturday 24th. This is at a core stadium, the Sydney Olympic Stadium. Panthers first versus Rabbitoh seventh. Panthers are highly favoured by the bookies. And I'll quickly go through the lineups here. For one of these teams, it will be their last game of the season. Panthers, Dylan Edwards, Charlie Staines, Isaac Tago, Stephen Crichton, Brian To'o, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary as captain and in the forwards, Isaiah Yo, Liam Martin, Viliam Kikau, James Fisher-Harris, Apisai Corusau, Moses Leoda, Interchange, Mitch Kenny, Scott Sorensen, Spencer Lenu, and Jamin Salmon. And on the Rabbitohs side, Latrell Mitchell, Alex Johnson, Isaiah Tass, Campbell Graham, Tarn Milne, Cody Walker, Lachlan, is it Ilias? or Elias, Elias, I think we're calling him. Uh, Cameron Murray is captain at 13. Jai Arrow, uh, Keon Kalamatangi, Mark Nichols, Damian Cook, and Tavita Totola. And on the interchange bench, Cody Nikarima, Hame Saleh, Michael Cheekham, and Jed Cartwright. And I think the main, uh, I think we've got Saliva Havili is out, and Taylor May are out due to suspensions. So those are the only changes from the last couple of games. Look, this is, if anything, this is going to be the, uh, for the Eels, this will be the game where these two teams will tenderize each other so much that (laughs) you're hoping that the winner of the Cowboys and Eels will go into the grand final thinking, hopefully these two teams have uh, beaten themselves up into submission so much so that they will not recover and, uh, and and we'll make it an easier run for the other team because this will be an epic grand final rematch from last year. Obviously, the Panthers winning their first in quite a while. The Rabbitohs uh, came from nowhere and almost took it, but were outclassed on the day. This year, as I said, the main thing is they're not going to have Adam Reynolds. They do have an in-form halfback, Lachlan Ilias. <coughs> they also have... Uh, well, what they have missing as well is a suspended uh, from a couple of weeks ago, George Burgess. So they're not going to have that kind of starch in the front, uh, unfortunately. And that could work against them. But if you look at who they've got there, Cameron Murray, Jai Arrow, Damian Cook. I mean, Damian Cook versus Coruscant will be an epic matchup because I think Cook has actually been one of the unsung heroes of the final series. I think his speed off the ruck is almost unmatched. And I think he is so crucial to the rabbit. I've said it all year, uh, you know, that he's so crucial to the success of the Rabbitohs in providing that momentum up the middle when the forwards are getting tired and the Panthers forwards will get tired because we have seen the Eels uh, play the game. And I think, look, the Eels have done it twice already 
to them this season. So I think the Rabbitohs will do uh, not much worse if they uh, if they look at the Eels' playbook. How did they defeat the Panthers? Because they seem to be, uh, well, apart from this, the first week of the finals, they seem to be doing it with a regularity lately. And so, um, yeah, the Rabbitohs should look at how what the Eels do. And I think what they mainly do is, uh, you know, quick play the balls, actually. It's the speed of getting off the tackles and getting letting your op- opposition get through the set of six will actually work. You know, this is the, that uh, we've talked about this before, Tish, the the Walker brothers' uh, it's style of a, of approach uh, from the, I think, was it the Ipswich Jets? Um, mm. You know, that style of kind of getting through the set quickly, not wrestling too much in the ruck, letting the tackle finish, get on, get up, let them get on with it. Um, make sure you're quick enough as a defense to get back in the line. Um, you know, because a lot of the wrestling happens because you want your your team to get back in the line and, and then not lose momentum. Whereas I think the flip side of that is if you allow your opposition, if you're a defensive team, to go through the set of six quickly, then it does tire them out as well. <laughs> you know, it, it is tiring to, to kind of... Uh, get them to speed up the game. And then that's when the Damien Cooks of the world can come in. That's when Cameron Murray is at his best. Jay Arrow also plays on uh, his line perfectly on the left, like a left centre. So I, I personally think that this game potentially will see the Panthers go down to the Rabbitohs. Uh, I think it's it will be a, a Latrell Mitchell versus uh, Nathan Cleary kind of uh, uh, show here. Uh, to see who takes the game with the scruff of the neck, uh, you know, sooner. And I think it will be Latrell Mitchell. And I think the the Rabbitohs have just shown such, you know, they dominated the number two team, the Sharks, so much uh, in that game last week when it was it was a knockout game. We haven't seen the the Panthers uh, tested like that. Yes, the Eels have beaten them, but not in a knockout game. And so it remains to be seen. And the Rabbitohs have had two of these games and have bested the Roosters and the Sharks, both in tough games uh, and both really convincingly, I think. So the Rabbitohs, I think, are absolutely the informed team at the moment against uh, against pretty quality opposition. And I think they will exact revenge on uh, this Panthers team from last year's grand final. What about you, Tish? Yeah, well, look, I think the Panthers obviously finishing up minor premiers so far in front. Um, they've had a very well-managed and highly professional season, right? They've, um, you know, they've had a couple of close games. They've lost a couple. They haven't really, it's not a perfect season by any means, but, you know, they, they've sort of, uh, they've really been professional and, you know, they've been able to carry injuries throughout the whole season and still been able to, to win, Um you know when Nathan Cleary was out for five games towards the end of the season. Plus, he was out at the earlier in the earlier in the season too, the first few rounds, right? Um, but they kept on winning throughout the whole period, and then you know obviously they had a couple, uh, you know, lost to Parramatta twice, and I think they lost to Melbourne once maybe, and and that that is it. So they've had a very well managed game, but this uh, what isn't in front of them this Saturday is the first eighty minutes that they're going to have all season where if they lose, they're out, right? So that is mm. – um, and that pressure is different, right? You know, like um, we've, we've kind of seen it a little bit with uh, Origin 3 as well, right? 
Um, you know, the first game of Origin, it's it's important. The second game, you've got to win, which obviously New South Wales did. But the third game, it's like, it's this is the moment, right? You really, it did. It actually doesn't matter how many times you want to lose throughout the whole season. This eighty minutes, if you don't play well, if you're not ahead, when the when it goes to eighty, then you're, you know, then you're out, right? And yeah, this type of pressure, the uh, uh, you know, the Panthers haven't had. On on the flip side, you know, the Rabbitohs, they were grand finalists last year, um, and this year, obviously, that losing Adam Reynolds and and losing Wayne Bennett, having a rookie coach come in, I don't think everybody expected them to be as good as what they were. Um, but they all, you know, they, they, there was an expectation that it would reach the finals, but they struggled to get into the finals, right? Um, they weren't really having the best mid-season. They lost Latrell um, to, to uh, like, obviously a few weeks where he had to go to the United States of America and, and get special surgery done just so he could, you know, fix up his body. He comes back um, and, you know, he, he does seem like a different player, Um yeah, we've seen a few beast made appearance, uh, you know, performances, but we haven't seen them for the last few weeks. I, I, I do have to say that. Um, and then now we've got it in front of us, right? And um, I think Phil Gould went through this. Is that um, you know, I think two years ago, the Pan- uh, the Rabbitohs were limited by the Panthers by four points um, with no Latrell. Last year they lost the grand final by two points uh, without Latrell, and this year. Uh, they have Latrell, right? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, this is – yeah, so that's the thing. And if you actually go through – yeah, the Panthers got a great lineup, right? But the, probably the, the the player closest to me to the X factor of Latrell is Kikau, right, for um, for the Panthers. But, I, you know, if you were to ask me head-to-head, you know, who would you sort of – um, more trust will come out with the performance and do something extraordinary, you know, for you to win. I'd, I'd say my odds are probably on Latrell. So, you know, from all that uh, talk, I think Latrell, I think this, I think it's going to be very, very, uh, you know, I think they're definitely going to play a very strong game and that motivation is there. Um, now, I've built them all up, but i just got to say this. I still think the Panthers are going to win because... <laughs> I, I've made this mistake before this season, Dr. T, a few times where, you know, I thought, well, this is the moment that the Panthers are going to lose. But um, they just, I don't know, they just, winning's a habit for them, right? They just know how to win. Um, and, yeah, I, I, look, I kind of want the Rabbitohs to win um, and, uh, and only for a really silly reason, which is uh, I don't like the fact that Kick Arrow sang the Rabbitohs song when he was drunk after the grand final. <laughs> right, and, and I don't know how much that motivates the players, uh, if not. But yeah, I don't see how the Panthers lose though. That's the, that's the key. I think, I think, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, I think the Rabbitohs have to pull it out of their bag. And and look, they've had a tough few weeks too. Right, you know, two bruising encounters against the Roosters. Obviously, a must-win game last week, and and now taking on the Premiers. It's a tall order to win. You know, uh, to sort of go through the whole way. So. I think the Panthers will will edge edge them out here. All right. Let's move on to tackle number three. We're going to talk about the NRLW Grand Final Qualifiers. Here we go.
All right. The NRLW is also reaching the uh, the pinnacle, the the business end of the season. Uh, this weekend, we've got well to add to the confusion we spoke about. These are officially being called semi-finals, as opposed to grand final <laughs> qualifiers. Anyway, essentially, the winner makes it to the grand final, and the loser is out. And now, both of these games are going to be played as double headers at uh, Suncorp Stadium this Sunday, the 25th of September. The f- it's a doubleheader. The first game is the Knights versus the Dragons. The Knights finished second. The Dragons finished third in, obviously, a shortened NRLW season compared to the men's. And I'll quickly go through uh, the lineups, and then I'll get your quick views, uh, Tish, on who you think is going to win. Uh, for the Knights, we've got Tamika Upton, Kiana Takarangi, Shanice Parker, Bobby Law, Emanita Paki, Kira Dibb, and Jesse Southwell. And in the forwards, we've got Kayla Romanyuk, Yasmin Clysdale, Romy Tietzel, Millie Boyle is the captain, Olivia Higgins, and Caitlin Johnston. And on the uh, Dragon side, we've got Emma Tonegato, Tegan Berry, Keel Brown, Paige McGregor, uh, Andy Robinson, Talia Fui Moana. Uh, Rachel Pearson, and in the forwards, we've got Holly Wheeler, Shaylee Bent, Kezi Apps as a captain, Tegan Dimmick, Keely Davis, and Elsie Albert. And, uh, and, and oh, I forgot the benches, didn't I? So for the Knights, the bench is uh, Emma Manzelman, Taylor Predabon, Simone Capani, and Mackenzie Wheel. And for the Dragons, Quincy Dodd, Tally Holmes, Mona Lisa Soliola, and Tara McGrath West. Now, the Knights having uh, made it to second, obviously the Dragons, uh, are they they're the... Are they the no, I think uh, the Roosters were the premiers, yeah. The Roosters were the premiers, but they were the grand finalists last year. Yes, and, that's right. And so they've got, you know... I guess with the expertise, so they've got names like Emma Tonegato, Kezi Apps, um, you know, Keely Davis, the uh, Tegan Dimmick. Well, Dimmick is there. When Whenever you've got a Dimmick in the team, you know that you're probably mm. going well. Obviously, a lot of NRL pedigree there. But you do have on the other side a team that's kind of uh, come together and is playing quite well. So this is a tough one, but I think I just get the feeling that uh, with Millie Boyle, as captain uh, of the Knights, I think uh, she's going to lead them. Uh, you need your captain to be in a leadership position, and uh, she's certainly done some things this year, and, and uh, I think she'll lead this team to the grand final. What about you, Tish? Yeah, I think uh, I think the the Knights are good. I'm just, uh, just going to make sure. Um, uh, I know Andre... I don't know if he's still the uh, the coach of the Knights under Ponga, but um, but but look, I think look, you know what? Now I'm just thinking about yeah, last year's grand finals, and I'm actually looking at that New South Wales pedigree that is in uh, the 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 Newcastle Knights. Oh, sorry, the Central Dragons with Emma, uh, you know, uh, Emma Emma T and uh, and Kezi A, uh, the captain. Uh, and and obviously the rest of them, I remember Holly Wheeler was was there the third and she's kind of like the Trevor Gilmeister of of NRLW right you know she's like you know with the headgear on and, and a really good uh, tackler sort of thing um, so I think the Dragons are going to be too strong for this one right I think 
they had a bit of a slow-ish start to the season, um, but I think they were so they're coming into form towards the end, which is why they ended up coming third. It's only a very short season as well, so um, so I think from that point of view. But look, I think the Knights did well this season. I think it's probably the best season that they've had so far. But um, you know, but I just think that the uh, there's going to be too much um, class with the Dragons to take this one out. But it's going to be a blockbuster. I think all these women. Uh, NRLW women's games this year. There's been some really close encounters, and uh, and the standards definitely increased. So, looking forward to these clashes over the weekend. Yeah, I should add. There's a couple of things. The Knights are by the bookies considered favourites for this game. They did actually just defeat the Dragons last weekend, thirty to eight. So they've got form on the board. <laughs> so when you put it that way. <laughs> It's uh, it's going to be interesting. But look, <laughs> the, there you go. But you never know. You never know what could happen. The next game, though, will be interesting <laughs> as well. Roosters versus Eels. Uh, the Roosters came first on the ladder. The Eels came fourth. The bookies are heavily favouring the Roosters. Let me just quickly go through the lineups. For the Roosters, we've got Samantha Bremner, Leanne Tafuga, Jessica Sergis, Isabel Kelly is the captain and is on fire this year. James Fressard, uh, sorry, Jamie Fressard, Zahara Tamara, Racine McGregor, and in the forwards we've got Keely Joseph, Olivia Koenig, Shania Power, Maya Hill Moana, Destiny Brill, and Sarah Tokatuki. And on the bench we've got Jocelyn Kelleher, Shorten Burton, uh, Kalusipani Hapawate, Otiza Pule. So we've got a Hapawate there, that's awesome. And on the eel side, we've got Gail Broughton, Zali Fay, Tiana Penatani is the captain in the centres there, Rikia Horn, Cassie Tohihiku, Ashley Quinlan, Taylor Preston, and on the forwards, we've got Samema Taufa, Vanessa uh, Foliaki, Christian Pio, uh, Ellie Johnston, Selly Meilangi, and Philomena Hanisi. And on the interchange, we've got Kennedy Cherrington, Brooke Anderson, Najvada George, and Rima Butler. Now, the Roosters, uh, so the last games that were played last weekend, they ended up uh, well, flogging the Titans 38-12, to 12, so they had an easy one. But the Eels uh, had a 28-16 to 16 victory, hard fought against the Broncos, who were also highly favoured but ended up not making the top four, obviously. So the Eels have done really well uh, this year, and I am going to tip an upset because I'm all on the Eels this weekend. Despite the fact the bookies are against us, I'm tipping the Eels to win this one for the girls to make their first grand final ever for the Eels. Uh, That's my tip. What about you? Okay, well, great tip there, Dr. T. Um, So I just want to just go through the ladder results. Uh, So the Roosters came first. Five games played, five games won, zero lost. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Newcastle, uh, four games won, uh, Dragons, three games won, and the Eels, one game won. <laughs> I, don't know what you're get, I don't know what you're getting at here. <laughs> I think this is why uh, they should probably extend the season and have them all play each other twice, right? Because I think... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, what you're saying is that they are undefeated. <laughs> they are undefeated. But to be to, to be honest with you, and this is where the uh, this is where the uh, crazy prediction for me and the other one comes in. 
um, because we have had a very short season, I think that I don't think the past performances that much affect because it's been such a short season, right? We're still sort of they're still sort of warming up the girls, you know. So <laughs> I think uh, I think yeah, I think what you're saying about the eels, I don't think it's going to be as uh, as bad as what people think. They they do have an outside chance, but look, you know, if you're under if the Roosters are undefeated. Um, you know, uh, then then I think my yeah, I think I might have to go with them um, because somehow I feel I, I kind of regret the decision of going for the Dragons based on their superstars. Um, maybe watching El uh, Los Gatigo or you know the Real Madrid documentary on Disney has uh, you know put put stars in my eyes. It obviously, so yeah. No worries. All right. Let's move on then to the UK Super League Grand Final Preview. Uh, tackle number four. Here we go. All right. The 2022 Super League UK Grand Final will be played uh, at Old Trafford, and it will be contested between the St. Helens Saints and the Leeds Rhinos. St. Helens came first on the ladder this year, so they've obviously got, uh, you know, a massive for and against as well. They're, they're very dominant kind of favourites. Uh, and the Leeds Rhinos came fifth. However, in order to make this grand final, they had vastly different... Uh, um, uh, I guess, l- roads to the final. Um, the St. Helens team played uh, against the Salford Red Devils last weekend and defeated them 19-12. to 12. It was actually a pretty close game, if you think about it. Uh, it was, uh, look, they ended up winning, but I think, uh, you know, it could easily have gone Salford's way towards the end and uh, they were coming back strong and they had some opportunities. And I think... Uh, you know, they just couldn't put it together at the end. But it, that means that St. Helens basically went in, uh, you know, with uh, – well, uh, uh, there was actually some controversy because at the f- the very final few minutes, I think there was a possible uh, professional foul that was committed in the act of trying to get a try, and they could have almost got a penalty try, Salford, which would have actually uh, – <laughs> which, which well, if, if it was a penalty try, does that mean – Penalty try, does that mean that becomes an eight-point try? Maybe it doesn't. It's just a penalty try. So they still would have been one point behind, but it would have been a lot closer and a, and a better finish. But it wasn't to be. St. Helens, I deserve thoroughly their point, their place in the grand final. Leeds, on the other hand, qualified for the playoffs on the last day by defeating the Castleford Tigers, and they ended up finishing fifth. So these guys over there in the UK Super League have a top-five system. Uh, in the elimination semi-final that they played, they def- the first game, they defeated the Catalans Dragons twenty points to ten. And in the semi-final uh, last weekend, they defeated the Wigan Warriors twenty points to eight. So really, not really dominant in either of those games, but definitely enough to sort of show that they, uh, you know, that they can uh, match it with the best of them. Um, and yeah, so again, if you look at the stats, one team came first, one team came fifth. Leeds Rhinos, I think, would be considered the underdogs in this uh, in this game, 
whereas the uh, yeah, the St. Helens, they're the reigning champions. Um, they've got everything going for them, <laughs> and uh, and I think uh, when you look at it this way, I think uh, they, they probably would be considered favourites. Uh, look, in my pers- my view, I would love to see uh, the the spirit of the Parramatta Eels with the blue and gold come through for the Leeds Rhinos because uh, that's the only reason I would be supporting the, the Leeds Rhinos because uh, certainly statistically they would be up against it. But I will go out on a limb and the spirit of the Eels will, uh, will uh, shine through for them. So Leeds Rhinos, in my mind, will win. Uh, I don't have any other reason to back that up. Um, Tish, I'll let you have a go at, uh, at, at giving your tips for this uh, grand final. Yeah. Well, look, I'm just uh, having a look at the Wikipedia page and they have a location in Manchester, but then they have Jerusalem there too. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a funny well, business Wikipedia, Wikipedia we have page. to uh, be very careful there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do. But look, um, obviously, yeah, with the form guy that St. Helens have have sort of come in, you'd sort of expect them to sort of, uh, um, you know, sort of take this one out. Uh, but I think, you know, again, we sort of, it's kind of the sort of the same debate that we've had, got in the semifinals, right? You know, you, you know, you talk about a team that sort of had the easier run to get to the actual grand final versus the team that, you know, had to fight its way and, you know, with some good opposition in consecutive weeks to get there. And, um, you know, I think in the, in the, the good thing about the five, you know, the top five system is that you, uh, even the team coming fifth, if they do make it to the grand final, they still have, you know, enough juice in the tank to really uh, go hard for the final, for the grand final too. Um, but look, I think St Helens um, are they the reigning? I think they are the reigning. Yeah, Christian Wolf is, is the coach, and obviously he's got a lot going for him. Uh, doesn't he also coach Tonga? I believe. I, I believe he does, and. Yeah. Um, and not too sure if he is connected to uh, Dick Wolf from Law and Order um, uh, as well, but uh, you know, uh, or the or, Big Bad Wolf of the Hands, Christian Anderson. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's Fables. Right. I don't know. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Don't know if uh, if he's walked down Wall Street and uh, he's known as the Wolf <laughs> oh, of Wall Street. <laughs> but, but yeah, but look, uh, I think yeah, it's good. Uh, look, he's been linked to some NRL jobs as well, right? So, um, you know, uh, you know, Parramatta. Maybe if they lose, here we come, right? Uh, for <laughs> Christian Wolf, we don't know, right? So uh, yeah, so, so there we go. But look, um, I think uh, yeah. So look, I do think St Helens. They've they've got a good lineup. They've been sort of you know uh, there the whole the whole sort of season type thing. Um, you know they've got um, you know uh, some really good players in their lineup. Um, you know some uh, you know Curtis Siren and Big Zero is there. You know the blockout shutters. Uh, Conrad Harrell is that right? Is he still there? Like yeah, but like yeah, you know, Conrad Harrell. He actually there was a there was a very poignant moment in uh, in the uh, the last game against Salford where he actually went up to one of the Salford players who was in tears by himself lying down after, you know, not, not not being able to win that game. And he actually sat next to him. So this is an opposition player. He sat next to the losing player and and kind of had a very personal kind of word to him, kind of went close to his ear, 
he, he kind of covered covered his uh, his head, he gently kind of said some words to him to comfort him. I thought it was a really touching moment, considering mm. Conrad Harrell looks like an absolute beast and, and the roughest, most testosterone-filled man you'd ever see. And there yeah. he is, gentle giant. Uh, you know, very touching moment, and I thought, oh, gee, this is a, a good bloke, and and it's a good, got a good head on his shoulders at the moment, and uh, which is good. And I think he's definitely one of those, you know, he's a, he's one of the shining lights for the St Helens Saints, and I think uh, him and uh, I think he said Curtis Sirinan definitely mm. uh, is Will. Does Will Hapuare still play there? I'm not sure, yeah, but anyway, Will um, Hapuare, so yeah, yeah, Johnny Lomax. So you got got quite a few, and James Roby. You got quite a yeah. few good players. That have the pedigree and and can take it further. So, on the St yeah. Helen side, yep, yeah, there's definitely a lot of positives there. there. There is, there is. But look, I have to now go to because I just had a look at the lineup for Leeds, and I cannot bet against Turkish international Aiden Caesar and Portuguese no. international Blake Austin. Well, apparently right. Aiden Caesar, I don't know if this is confirmed. I just saw on the internet that Aiden Caesar might be out, I think due to either suspension or something, but I don't know if that's the case. So we don't have the latest lineup. I'm pretty sure it will change. But look, Blake Austin, uh, yeah. you know, uh, he is our king. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I believe that he... Uh, he will be the difference. Uh, so, yeah, thank you for pointing out, Blake Austin, because it's not just about the colours, blue and gold, that gets me. It is also the Blake Austin factor and uh, definitely another reason for me to put my money on the Leeds Rhinos. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so, look, I think I think Leeds, uh, yeah, look, with that factor, I think that's the difference, you know. Um, so let, let's hope, you know, the Turkish-Portuguese connection uh, can work, you know. Um, you know, you know, if you've ever, uh, you know, it's very difficult when there's a, you know, a, uh, you know, a, a kebab shop next to one of Porto's. All right. Figure out. <laughs> I don't know if that, yeah, but look, you know, it's, it's going to be great. One thing's for sure, at the end of this game, Conrad Harrell would lead a chorus of players, including Blake Austin and... Uh, <laughs> And whoever else, uh, Aiden Caesar, to the nearest kebab shop for a post grand final meal, uh, yep. as is as as should be the tradition if it isn't already. Mm. Uh, that you you know when you go and have a big night with the uh, with every player, winner or loser, just have a nothing nothing unites like a good old kebab. <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. So yeah, and um, yeah, we we uh, I referenced the Law and Order. Uh, as well, but Sam Walters, <laughs> number twenty-two. Anyway, it's fine. It's, uh, you probably should get that <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, let's let's uh... let's move on. So, yeah, let's uh, move on. Tackle number. What are we up to? We are up to tackle number five. Uh, it's about uh, the World Cup news. Here we go. Uh, the big World Cup news to come out of well Australia anyway is that uh, superstar, up and coming superstar from the Roosters. Uh, what's his first name? Jo- is it Joseph? Uh, Joseph, yeah. Joseph. Well, we used to call him Suwali. Well, we have. We certainly heard the media call him Suwali, but this year I think we got it right. I think we've actually asked him how to pronounce his name, 
And now we're hearing everyone call him Su, uh, Swali'i. Is that right? Swali'i? Yeah. Something like yeah. that. And I think Not if that's a correct... with the language. No, that's right. And look, the key thing there is, which is why I want to mention his name accurately, culturally accurately, is because he has made a huge decision to commit himself in the upcoming World Cup, not to Australia, but to Samoa. So this means that, again, the 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 movement that has started with Jason Tamalolo and, uh, and Andrew Fafita. Andrew Fafita back in 2017, I believe, where they committed, or you know, after the last World Cup. Oh, sorry, part of that World Cup, sorry. Uh, the, the movement they started to commit themselves to the land of their cultural heritage, of their, in many cases, of their, their parents or grandparents that may or may not still live in their homeland uh, in the South, in their rel- rel- relative South Pacific uh, nation, island nation. Um, in that case, we saw Tonga be the first nation to really reap the benefits of NRL stars, really. Uh, and to the point where, you know, they made the semi-final, were within a whisker of making the World Cup final, uh, if not for uh, the hands of uh, Andrew Fafita um, uh, against England, which would have been epic. Uh, and uh, and then after that, continued their performances by uh, the, by defeating, uh, for the first time ever, the Australian Kangaroos in, uh, I guess, an unofficial, but for most people, it was unofficial because of internal politics, but definitely two top flight, top strength teams against each other, all playing 100%, and Tonga absolutely outplayed Australia and deserved the victory. And that, to me, was the seismic shift that needed to occur in International Rugby League. And it has continued to occur because we've had multiple discussions about representation and state of origin has come into the, the into play as well. And this year we are seeing quite a few players now committing to Samoa. So now Samoa yeah. is the nation that is reaping the benefits of, of players with Australian heritage, sorry, Australian-born players usually with heritage from Samoa deciding, you know, opting not to be selected for the Australian Kangaroos, even when they are close to selection for the Kangaroos, and instead opting for Samoa. In uh, Joseph Swali'i's case, it is uh, his grandparents that are, are living in Samoa at the moment, and he certainly made a statement saying that it was all about uh, the, the, the respecting the heritage of where his family came from. Um this is big news, not just because of the Samoa situation and, and you know, that kind of thing, but it's also because we've got rugby union clubs and rugby union in general trying to entice this fella back to their to that game. He has been the, the focal point of both codes, and the fact that he's committed to rugby league Samoa is uh, – is really an amazing thing, and hopefully that doesn't mean he'll be tempted by rugby union Samoa in future. Hopefully, rugby league does everything it can to keep people like Joseph Swali uh, within our fraternity here, within our family, rugby league family. So, this is big news, Tish. Uh, yeah, what's your your take on this? Well, look, uh, I've got to say, there's a well, this trend has been positive, right? To see because it's really boosted up uh, some of these nations um, that 
you know, have have struggled to to. I mean, they've had to sort of uh, let the top teams pick their squads, and then they've had to sort of name their squad after everybody else has made their pick. But now, with Samoa, the trend of so many of these guys uh, wanting to play for Samoa, and you know, another one that was, you know, I wouldn't say that Joseph was a, um, you know. A, a straight-up walk-in to the team. But I certainly think he was an outside chance, and I think he might have even been picked for the Prime Minister's eleven. But, you know, obviously on the wing, you've got guys like Josh Adekar and uh, you know, Ke- uh, Selwyn Cobbo uh, and a few others that, that, that may have been a little bit ahead of him at the moment. But obviously down the track, he might end up being the best winger slash fullback slash you know, other positions that he wants to play, maybe centers or something like that. Yeah. So I think it really makes the World Cup exciting to see these defections. Uh, but now I've got to ask the question because, like, can Australia field a team? Do they need to pull out because they've had so many defections? And is what is Big Mal doing about it? Like, is it his job to be trying to entice these players? Because I don't know if he's having conversations, um, you know, about them saying, hey, you know, like uh, – we kind of taught you the game. We understand. Like, you know, is he, is he, is he, is he pitching to these players there, Dr. T? Because I, I wonder, I mean, you hear reports that Michael McGuire has been banned from calling the Panthers because um, he's trying to uh, recruit for New Zealand while they're preparing for the finals. You know, has, <laughs> has, has, that, has that turned Mal Meninga, like, uh, you know, quiet? And has he become too quiet with all these players just – up and announcing, hey, you know, I'm going to play for uh, Samara. I'm going to play for the Bahamas. I'm going to play for Jamaica. I'm going to play for, I don't know, Tahiti in the final. Like, is, is, is that's what happening, Dr. T. So, um, yeah, so <laughs> hopefully Mal can, uh, can 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 field a team. You know, I, I think that's there. But um, <laughs> I think Australia will still be strong. Like, you know, I was, um, you know we're going through, like, because uh, obviously the uh, RP Curacao is being picked for, the Fijian team, but it hasn't been confirmed if that's going to happen. So obviously you lose him as a as a dummy half, but then you've also got, you know, you've got Ben Hunt, um, who obviously was like I think player of the series for State of Origin. Not sure if that was great. I mean, you got Harry Grant, you got a few others. Um, sorry, Reed Barney. I'm trying to think of or Damien Cook as well for dummy half, and then you know halfback Daily Cherry Evans and. Uh, you know, Mitchell P- – oh, sorry, not Mitchell uh, – well, Mitchell Pierce is eligible, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> you know, like, like Nathan Cleary. And so, so, actually, when you go through the lineup for Australia, I don't think these defections might – I mean, although I know they'll make an impact, but I think Australia will still field probably a formidable squad that will probably be ranked number one, right? I, I would think so. And I, I think, look, all jokes aside, I think they are still – on paper, probably still the strongest squad. And I think what will... There's a combination of things. It's not just about the strength of New Zealand, Tonga, Samoa players coming up and and the unknown of England. You know, England only just... Didn't they only just lose 6-0 or something to, to Australia in the last World Cup final? So it wasn't even... You know, they were, they were up there. They were close. Uh, and... And I think England, I don't know, I don't have a sense really whether they are weaker or stronger since then. Um, I get the feeling that, you know, because of all the stuff that's happened with COVID, it's hard to tell because we haven't had enough games to see the form uh, dip or improve over the years. But 
Um, my sense is England's going to be strong as well. I still would put Australia at number one, given uh, that the players that they do have remaining after all the defections will be, and they're not really defections. It's really just about, you know, the, the realignment of, of people's allegiances. And I think once that's settled, I think we'll see that Australia still has on paper a very strong squad, probably ranked number one uh, with a close second, possibly for New Zealand and England equally, and then maybe Tonga and Samoa on paper just behind them. However, the thing with Australia and the Kangaroos is that, uh, you know, sometimes we uh, we, sabot- we self-sabotage. And I think uh, because I've heard so many rumours and I still don't understand why Daily Cherry Evans is considered uh, the, the go-to halfback. I know he's a captain, but I think to leave Nathan Cleary out, I mean, this is we had this problem with Langer-Stewart in the 90s, you know, Mortimer and Sturlo in the 80s. We tend to kind of, you know, for whatever reason, opt for one player uh, because of, say, a few good performances in State of Origin or, or whatever, and not necessarily, or, or combinations with other players that are there, and not necessarily just look fairly at is this the best halfback um, mm. or what we need. And I think if if they go in with Daily Cherry Evans, who's not really, he has shown some glimpses of really good form, but overall, I think it's fair to say Nathan Cleary has over over a period of more than two years really been consistently way above every other halfback in the entire world of rugby league. And I think to not choose him potentially even in uh, – like he'll be chosen in the squad. The question is will he be chosen in the lineup as a starting halfback or will they do something silly like move uh, Cherry Evans to 5-8 because they want to include them both? You know, we had this problem as well with uh, with uh, Andrew Johns as well. And, and again, we talk about Andrew Johns. He's an immortal and all that. But he played the majority of his representative games at hooker. They didn't even consider him the top halfback. And this is what I mean. If the decisions are made to push Cleary out or on the bench or not at all be represented in the in the squads for various games, uh, it is the equivalent, I think, of Australia self-sabotaging because I just think – I don't know if Daily Cherry Evans has that same level of impact uh, that, that – uh, Meninga might think he does and I think if that's the case then on paper Australia can be number one but if decisions are poor decisions then that can actually bring them closer to the pack and that is when we are going to see something interesting with England New Zealand on the rise and obviously Tonga and Samoa uh, I think we're going to see I, I very easily I would say the most exciting rugby league world cup we've ever seen in our lifetime and so I'm looking forward to it, and I think, you know, well done to Joseph Suali'i for uh, committing to his cultural land and supporting Samoa because I think they really need players like him who have that experience but also who are in form uh, and and uh, have done so at a top-quality club in the finals as well. You know, he did, certainly did quite well against uh, the Rabbitohs even though they lost. So, look, yeah, in my mind, I think this is great news. But, Tish, I've talked too much. Over to you to... <laughs> You have the final word on this before we go to the final tackle. Well, I've got some breaking news, Dr. T. Uh-oh. But um, renowned former Australian band Men at Work 
they have also defected to Samoa, and now their song is "I Come from a Land Called Samoa." Oh, really? Well, I can't wait for that. In fact, I can't wait for the Wiggles to join. Uh, <laughs> there seems to be the Wiggles are always there somewhere where there's big news like this. So, look, I don't know. Maybe, maybe we need, uh, you know, Pacific Island coloured skivvies. <laughs> One, <laughs> I think there needs to be the Wiggles need to be part of this as well, more yeah. so than Men at Work. Uh, I thought for a minute that you said Men at Work are, are now. Um, are now uh, uh, striking. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> off work because there seems to be strikes all the time here. But anyway, look, um, yeah, look. The final word I think is for both of us. I think is uh, we are so excited to see this rugby league World Cup. We're going to have the best players spread a little bit more fairly and more evenly across some of the top teams, and uh, and I think this will make for a much more meaningful and uh, and emotional and passionate. Uh, tournament and uh, you know what for that other rugby world cup that goes on at once every four years as well which seems to have uh, untold uh, billions of fans more so than there are people on earth somehow uh, mm -hmm. at least that's what they tell us via the media um, when I look at this the the poorer cousin to that world cup I think Give me this one every day of the week because this is the one that is going to be so much more passionate. You know, the only passion you see out of the other the other uh, game is really the uh, the the pre-game harkers and things from from the the All Blacks and the other island nations, Pacific Island nations. The rest of it, in terms of the actual games, it's uh, there's not much to see. Uh, and whereas I think in this case it's different, we're going to see the awakening of the world to rugby league and its brilliance. So okay. anyway, so, so I might, no, it just came in mind. I, I'm just going to ask you, right? So I did see the Haka in the other game, and Australia, Australia formed a boomerang, oh, okay. <laughs> right, boomerang formation to combat the Haka. Do you think? Like, do you think that's effective, Dr. Day, to uh, stand in? Like, I didn't know. I thought they were doing the Mighty Ducks, to be honest. Um, I didn't know that they were doing um, the boomerang until somebody told me. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Oh, look, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I think, I think I, look, in all seriousness, I think if, we, if we've if we got enough and we will have people like the Troll Mitchell in our mm. in our squad, in the, the yeah, squad, on, I, think. I, think, I think you're going to see a genuine indigenous kind of war yeah. cry and i am so looking forward to it because i think what we see is not like the typical traditional uh or the typical kind of repetitive uh same moves etc that we always see it's becoming a little bit you know boring to see the same thing what i like to see from the aboriginal perspective from the australian aboriginal perspective is that we have so many different tribes and different ways of expressing you know, these war cries. And I think, you know, we're, we're still trying to find our feet and our identity, I think, on this one. Mm. So I think I'm looking forward to see what the kangaroos put up. You know, having Mal Meninga there and others certainly will, will shape uh, and provide support to whoever decides to take the lead on that. Uh, and I think regardless of the, the ethnic makeup of the, the squad, I think we need to have some sort of representation from uh, from people who know what they're doing and who bring it to the players on the day, and definitely something more than just a boomerang shaped 
formation, please. <laughs> we deserve more than that. So anyway, yeah. all right. Let's move on to our final tackle where we round up the tips. Here we go. All right, here we go. The tips for the grand final qualifiers. Uh, last week, I got two out of two right. You got one out of two. That brings me to 142 in total, and you are at 144. So I've still got a few games to catch up on, but let's see how we go. Let's Now, we've given our predictions in the previous tackles, but let's. this is our final chance. This is the final word. Tish, Cowboys v. Eels. I'm tipping Eels. Eels for mine. Panthers v. Rabbitohs. I'm tipping the Rabbitohs. Uh, I'm going to tip the Panthers. NRLW, Knights versus Dragons. I am tipping the Knights to win that one. I'll stick to the Dragons. Roosters versus Eels in NRLW. Look, I know the Roosters are probably heavy favourites, but you never know. The Eels could put it together. So I'm thinking the Eels will win this one in a massive upset. Yep, I'm going to tip the Roosters. And finally, St. Helens and Leeds for the UK Super League crown. I think there's enough uh, with the Blake Austin factor to suggest that the Rhinos will win this one. What about you, Tish? Yeah, look, I cannot go against my man Blake, so I'm going to tip the Rhinos. Well, there you go. All right, well, that is uh, that completes the tips for this week. Look, it's the pointy end of the season. We are looking forward to some really great games over the weekend. Uh, wherever you are across the world, whether you're in Australia following the NRL or NRLW or over there in the UK Super League following either of the St. Helens or Leeds Rhinos for that championship game at Old Trafford, we hope you have a good weekend and enjoy your football. Uh, Tish, over to you to wrap this one up. Yes, Dr. Tan. Look, I'd like to thank everybody for listening, but that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now.